Studios presents The Bible Outlaw Buzzards gotta eat, same as work Why would God include a naked guy running around the book of Mark? We should have a look at this, just because it's funny, on the Bible Outlaw. My two hardest challenges having a podcast are, first off, it has to keep my attention for about six to eight hours while I make one of these. All the research required sometimes starts to bore me, and I want to move on. But secondly, am I doing anything different, or is this just another babbling Christian podcast? And honestly, I have no problem stopping myself and just giving up if I feel it's something that everyone else is doing, and I have nothing new to add. I'm currently working on a Christmas podcast, but it's going to take a week or so. So here's a fun, bizarre one I can slide in between the others. I've mentioned before that one of my favorite things is when you mix religion with comedy. Thank you, Monty Python's The Life of Brian. And of course, the legendary movie Dogma. And of course, Christopher Moore's blasphemous book, Lamb. I don't recommend you indulge any of these, but the point is, We sometimes need humor in our life, and the God of the universe knows that, and no one does it better. So today, I'm having an IPA beer and pumping out this podcast for you. I hope there's something fun in it. And to those that have a problem with me drinking alcohol, it would mostly be a lie to say that this is some leftover brew from when Jesus attended that wedding back in Cana in John 2 verse 1. So all is well. So here's the Bible verse we're dealing with today. Mark 14, verse 52. And as always, I'll read the verses just before it for some context. The betrayal of Jesus. Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But this has happened that the scriptures will be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted Jesus and fled. One young man who had been following Jesus was wearing a linen cloth around his body. They caught hold of him, but he pulled free of the linen cloth and ran away naked. The end. So this is that moment in the Bible where the God of the universe is being arrested by Judas and a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and elders. So my only question is, Why would the God of the universe put this in his book? That one young man who had been following Jesus, wearing a linen cloth, they tried to catch him, but he pulled free, lost his cloth, and ran away naked. Why is that in the Bible? My first instinct is to say, (laughs) because it's kind of funny. But I'm guessing all 12 of Jesus' disciples had a story to tell right now 
about what they're dealing with internally. And yet, we get a story of someone else, who we're pretty sure is outside of the Twelve, who's running away naked. God thought this needed to be included for all eternity to remember. Hmm. Now, the best reason I've found to conclude this, that it's worth mentioning, is because it's from the author's perspective. It's his own history. This is possibly Mark. This is what he was doing while the story was taking place. This is authoritative firsthand information. Facts verified. Some Bible scholars think that Mark got all of his information from Peter himself. But since this is the only gospel account that mentions a young naked man running away from the scene, it tells us it might be Mark himself. Now, is there any theological information in this that we can drag out of it? Not really. It's certainly not a salvation issue or an essential church doctrine, far as I know. But one thing I do get out of this is that the Bible is very real. It's normal people just like us who do crazy things in difficult situations, and we record it because it's fun. It's informative. It's not much different than learning that just like Peter pulled a sword and tried to defend everyone against the mob. Here's Mark 14, verse 47. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. It's fascinating that the book of Mark doesn't tell us who did that. But the gospel of John does. John 18.10 says, Then Simon Peter drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. So all I can make out of this is that the book of Mark isn't about information and names and data. It's an action movie. It's all about what happened. Here's the characters fleeing from the scene. Mark isn't necessarily a book for Gentiles or for Jews or for scholars or deep theologians. It's just an action story for the rest of us to enjoy. I always find it amusing when I've been in church over the years and they have everyone stand up when they read from the Gospels, but not when they read from the Old Testament. I'm curious, would they have people stand up if they read the book of Mark and the naked boy fleeing from the scene? Is that worthy of me getting my butt off the padded pew? Sure. Now, I'm happy to stand during the reading of the Gospels, especially Mark, and I'm just as happy to stand for the Old Testament. For instance, the talking donkey in Numbers 22-23. And again, I would love to stand up for the reading of 2 Peter 2 verse 16, which says, But he was rebuked for his transgression by a donkey, otherwise without speech, that spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So I'll say it again. If your religion isn't fun, go find a better religion. Christianity is so great, and there's so much humor and joy, as well as forgiveness, of course, mercy and grace and truth, that it's worth doing. 
Now, a problem I have with a lot of churches I've visited is either they're boring or they're way too serious or they simply miss all the good stuff in the middle. Like this moment in Mark when a young man flees from an angry mob and gets away naked. I find this naked thing a little bit strange. Humans always seem obsessed with the moment people take their clothes off. I'm not sure why fully. Honestly, most people don't look that good with their clothes off. It's better if they keep more on. One of the reasons I decided to do this topic this week is because I was watching music videos on YouTube and a video by the band Blink-182 came up called What's My Age? They're a bit of a punk pop band and the whole video has them running through the streets of their town naked as if that's something. And yes, I guess it is, but it's not really that impressive. No different than Will Ferrell in the comedy movie Old School, where he yells, we're running through the quad naked. And of course, they made an entire movie called The Naked Mile about people running through the quad at a university naked. Is this what we humans do? Is this our infatuation? Lately, I can't count all the magazine covers I've seen in the grocery store of naked women or men. As if that's something that we just have to see. It proves a point. But does it? I was just thinking back to when Demi Moore appeared pregnant and naked on the cover of a magazine. Apparently, it was Vanity Fair. So I typed that in and I found out, oh, apparently this isn't exciting news anymore. And there's now generic lists of naked celebrities who are pregnant and have posed repeatedly for magazine covers. I guess you're not in the A club until the world has stared at your belly while standing in line at the grocery store. I had no intention of making a podcast about lust or rebellion or nudity this week. I'm more interested in the comedy and theology in Mark's gospel account. Simply being naked is not that impressive. It's not even really newsworthy anymore. Remember the first time it was newsworthy? Back in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. It says, The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you are naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Well, there you have it. Being naked certainly has some stigma attached to it. Another famous naked moment in the Bible is with Jesus in Luke 8. Not Jesus himself, of course, but the demon-possessed man. It says, Then they sailed to the country 
which is the opposite of Galilee. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. Of course, Jesus healed him. And later it says, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Isn't that the weirdest story? That's almost the same as what's going on today with nakedness. You got a crazy person running around naked and Jesus comes along. So they put clothes on. They're healed. Everything is better and normal. And the people get afraid. Wow. Yep. Those crazy religious Christians are making the punk bands and the naked pregnant women and the naked lusty celebrities making them put all their clothes back on. Indeed, the world's coming to an end and democracy's ruined. Next, Jesus is going to want drag queens to dress normal when reading stories to kids in the library. I think Job summed it up best in chapter 1 when he said, Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. There's the big difference. Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. But hey, sinning and blaming God is what we humans do best. But it would be easier if we didn't do it naked. Just saying. Let's get back to the biblical account of the youth escaping naked. So why do I think this is the gospel's author, Mark? Because of clues. And the best thing about the Bible is that the Bible always explains the Bible. But you do have to do a little bit of Sherlock Holmes detective work to put all the pieces together. So here's some more pieces. My archaeological study Bible tells us that only rich people wore linen under their clothes back in those days in that area. So the person that ran away was possibly two things from a rich family and he quickly dressed and was missing the rest of his clothing. He only had his undergarments on. And one of the reasons for that is because possibly he wasn't invited to the party. Like any young teenager escaping out of their house at night, he may have been trying to see what's going on, to spy, which is pretty fun. I would have done the same thing. So why would we assume this is Mark, the youth, a teenager? Well, because we know a little bit about his mother, surprisingly. The book of Acts chapter 12 tells us, When Peter left prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. So what does this have to do with a naked youth fleeing from the scene of Jesus being arrested many years earlier? 
Let's jump back to that evening where Christ and his disciples ate his last supper is rather interesting. It says in Matthew 26, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Well, so what can we make out of that? Well, we can definitely say, this guy knew who the teacher was. Interesting. That's the first clue. Let's read another one. Mark 14 tells the same story, but with a bit more information. It says, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Jesus, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Luke's gospel says pretty much exactly the same thing in chapter 22. So let's put all this together. Some scholars and myself think that all of this was at Mary and Mark's house. So why would we think this? Well, if we jump back to that moment in the book of Acts with Peter, it says, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. So all the clues are, Mark has a mother, Mary, who has a big house with servants and she has a room big enough for people to gather and pray, which might not have been that common back then. And one Bible commentator says, the fact that Mary's house was the meeting place of the church indicates comparative wealth, that the absence of any mention of Mark's father makes it probable that she was now a widow. It says the Latin name of Marcus indicate some point of contact with Romans or Roman Jews. And if anyone knew who the teacher was, the Messiah, that would have been Mark and his mother Mary. So if there was a young man sneaking out of the house wearing only linen and rich enough to afford linen because he might have some Roman heritage and a house big enough to have a dinner party of 13 people, with servants feeding them who knew who the teacher was. And remember, Jerusalem wasn't that big at the time, and Jesus didn't have that many followers. How many people were at the foot of the cross? Very few. There were a couple of Marys hanging out at the foot of the cross, though. Of course, Jesus' mother, and they say Mary, the mother of James, would have been there, and possibly Mary Magdalene. and. There might have been another Mary, which would be interesting if it was Mary, Mark's mother, who was the only one wealthy enough to have a meeting place that they could use on a few occasions. 
Now we're still putting all the clues together, but there's one more interesting thing that happens with Mark later on in the book of Acts. So like any rich, rebellious youth who sneaks out in the middle of the night wearing only linen and almost gets nabbed and runs away naked, he attempts to join Paul and those later in ministry, but he abandons them. It says in Acts 13, verse 13, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. You're like, okay, it doesn't say anything else about it. Just a bit of information. We don't know why. But later on in Acts 15, it says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailing away to Cyprus. So is all this stuff about Mark running away and being a youth important? Well, maybe not, but it's interesting. It's data. It's stuff for us to work with. Mark was a real person with real issues growing up failing, and trying again. So the best news about Mark is he goes on to actually have a ministry in the book of Acts and Adventures. And later, of course, he writes the gospel according to Mark. So he's a Bible outlaw within the Bible itself. How cool is that? So, of course, when we all get to heaven, one of the first things we can do is go find Mark in a quiet place where no one's bothering him and say, hey, buddy, was that you? Were you the one that ran away naked just before the moments on the cross? And the answer might just be yes. That would be fun. And then we could get the rest of the story, what else he did over the next 24 hours. That would be rather interesting. To wrap this up, One of the reasons I thought this would be worth discussing is because I meet a lot of people who try to say that the Bible has so much weird information in it that it can't be from a God. It can't be sacred and holy and perfectly moral, the perfect story. There's either too many weird human bits like that, (laughs) or there's strange fairy tale-like moments with talking donkeys, talking snakes, people riding in a whale, a few folks floating off to heaven, angel and demon wars. And over the years, I've heard more than a few people say the Bible should be banned in schools and libraries, mostly because of how vulgar and crude and violent it is. And of course, now with the world screaming hate speech about just about everything they disagree with, The Bible has a lot of information that feeds that for them and justifies their dismissal of it. But as the Bible outlaw, I say this is where the fun starts. Sure, there might be one or two parts that you probably shouldn't read to three-year-olds as they're going to bed, but every verse in the Bible is worth dealing with. 
There's none that we should be afraid of. All of it is fair game for being preached in church. You just got to use a little tact sometimes. About once a month, I have an atheist challenge me saying, here's a Bible verse you're not going to want to deal with. You'll run screaming from this one. And I always get excited and say, okay, bring it on. Which one? And it's almost never one of the ones that I think are really bad. The deep, dark theological ones about God's nature. It's usually the gross human ones that I have no problem dealing with. Even like these, where Mark as a youth runs away naked. That's easy. This is fun stuff. I've met a few people that told me, good thing we're not going to have the Bible in heaven. We'll be beyond that. We'll be on to eternity. There's no looking back. <laughs> I bet Mark might be happy with that. Let's leave some of those moments in the past. That running away naked bit. Yeah, we don't need to bring that up again. We're good. But I think the Bible will be ever present as a reminder of all the great, amazing things that happened to make Jesus our King, our Savior, our Lion, our Lamb, our Prince of Peace and Redeemer. It's all about Him. And I'm sure Mark knows that. And he can't wait to remind us again. I'm just glad that nothing I did personally, that's embarrassing, has made it into eternal scripture, as far as I know. Thanks for listening. The Bible Outlaw Podcast.